You are listening to the People-Centric Podcast, where we talk through the toughest challenges that people face at work and give practical advice to fixing those challenges. Thanks for joining our movement to create workplaces that are happier, healthier, aligned, and empowered by putting people at the center of all that we do. Hey, people-centric leaders. Hey, we're so excited to be with you on this episode of this very special podcast that we put out there. It's not even a very special episode. It's a very special podcast because everything we do is special. And that's kind of what we want to talk about today, that everything you do is special, but it's not. So here's a little story. I was out working with a client and we were talking to an employee who had a real struggle, a real, real tough thing to try to bring to their boss. And so the employee wanted to know, how do I bring this to my boss the best way? And so we were chatting a little bit about it and I was giving some advice on how to bring it up the right way and how to approach the boss. You know, we at people-centric like to open up communication. We don't like to close it off. So we don't like to be the middleman for those types of things. So what we do, the role we play in that situation is try to open up the communication between the two people. So, okay, employee, you're going to go to your boss. Tell me how you're going to have the conversation. How could you bring it up? And I was kind of letting them use me as kind of a dry run for all of this. So the employee went and had the conversation and came back out and was absolutely furious, absolutely mad. Apparently it didn't go very well. I'm like, man, what, what happened? And they said, I was talking to my boss. I was bringing up stuff and my boss kept jumping on their phone, not answering phone calls, but their phone was buzzing at them and they kept picking up their phone and looking at it. And then at one point when they got to like the real meat of the discussion. So imagine you're the employee and you're having this difficult conversation. Boss, I got to tell you something that's really hard for me to tell you. And I'm talking to you and the person sitting across from you is there and they're looking at their phone and they opened it up and they were tinkering with something on an app. They were on an app. And finally the employee got really frustrated and was like, what are you doing on this app. And they said, Oh, I've got a flight tomorrow and I'm checking in for my flight. I'm checking in for my flight right now, which is legit. Like that's a real thing that that person has to do it. You got to check in. You have to check in for your flight. And like some of you fly a lot, you're like, and you want to check in early as you can, because you get a bigger chance for upgrades and things like that. If you check in a little faster and all that, but that what that reminded us of is that this happens a lot, not just with phones. Now you might think we're going to talk about phones and the distractions for that, but we're going to talk about even bigger things. We're just going to talk about the noise that you all experience on a day-to-day basis. And this idea of false urgency that comes up, this happens to us as individuals where we think something's really important. So we start working on things, but then noise comes and hits us through the day and we get distracted and we do other things. And we always have too many things in front of us, or it comes, happens in teams. And it even happens in companies of saying, we don't have time. We have lots of companies that have come to us and said, we don't have time to do strategic planning because we're too busy on the day-to-day stuff. And what you're saying is you don't have time to discuss what would be most important for you to work on because you're working on all of the things. You're trying to work on everything all at once. So we're going to talk a little bit about this culture of urgency that comes up sometimes in companies that versus a culture of importance. And how can we combat that both as individuals? And a lot of this, and we want to give full credit, a lot of this was spawned from our friends over at Harvard Business Review, wrote a nice little article about it that is entitled Five Tactics. Uh, to combat a culture of false urgency at work. And we love it because we see it a lot. 
And so with us, with no false urgency, but mega importance, we have with us, we've got Philip Herzard from our team is here with us. Uh, Philip, are you always, everything's urgent. Get stuff done, right? Oh, yeah. It's like the Lego song. Everything is awesome, but we say urgent. Yeah. Everything is urgent. Yeah. That's exactly it. Yeah. Everything is urgent. Yeah. And, and Phil, we were talking before because we deal, we, we work with a lot of different clients at times. And is this a challenge sometimes of figuring out what, how do you prioritize the jobs that are out there? Because you've got emails that are coming in, phone calls that are coming in, meetings that are coming up, stuff you have to prepare for. Is that a challenge? It totally, I, yes, it is. I always think, especially our work, I think any job feels like Tetris, right? When we work with people too, whether you're working with people or skill sets or time, uh, and for me, even the last two weeks, just preparing for end of year, every day feels like a Tetris day because there's a lot of needs I want to meet. And some people just, you know, you just don't always have the exact same schedule. So uh, there's a lot of that at work right now. So it's timely for us. Yeah, just openly as a team, which is why we're excited to jump in and talk about it. Yeah. And Tetris is like a cool game. I love that analogy. I haven't thought of that analogy before, but it's a puzzle that you're putting together that has a time component like this. If, if you don't put the piece somewhere, I'm going to put it right here. This is what I'm doing. You got to move. You got to figure it out. Yeah. And that yeah. time component adds a, a super complexity. If you play Tetris a lot, it's not a relaxing game. At least for me, I don't know if you find it relaxing, but you find it relaxing, Diana. You like Tetris? Yeah, I love Tetris. Like I have a little handheld Tetris game. It's not even on my phone. It's like a separate handheld Tetris. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love it. 1990 what oh geez that's oh yeah it's oh i think i've had that little handheld for probably 15 years yeah yeah well the time component what it does is it forces you in tetris whatever piece is coming next is the one you have to deal with and you yeah. have so much coming in so i like that this idea of us doing tetris because it's whatever piece is presented to us we have to go do it and we see it diana i think you'd agree with this one diana royalty from our team our coo at people centric uh, I think you'd agree with this. Do we see executives fall into this trap from time to time of just working with what's in front of them versus what's working on what's really important? Like 98% of the time, like what human doesn't do that? Yeah, it's like, this is the piece. Yeah. This is the employee who's in my office right now. So I have to work to that, you know? So we're this is a topic we wanted to dive into. And so we're going to give some tips and we're pulling some of these tips from this Harvard Business Review article to kind of craft how we're going to talk about this. But the this idea, and because you, you might be even thinking the example that I brought up of in that moment, was that employee the most important or most urgent person to be talking to in that moment? Or was it the flight? Or were there other things that should have they should have been working on more? So we're going to talk about how to balance all of those different things out. So let's start off by the you know the first tip of recognizing the signs of this. Like, what does this look like for companies or individuals? How do you know when you might be a victim of false urgency? I think we need to just admit that everyone falls into this sometimes. Like everyone is a victim of false urgency. It's the Hey, can I talk to you for a second? It's the, this email is marked urgent. You know what I mean? Or like the all caps screaming at you. It's the phone pings. It's the uh, vendor who wants something from you. I mean, it's just, there's, it's all, it's all urgent. Everyone thinks that what they're saying is the most important thing, right? Like we've had our air conditioning be out for a while now. Like it's messed up back and forth and like, is that the most urgent thing to work on? I don't know. But the vendor calling me and 
and wanting to get into the building because he's there, that's pretty urgent. And so like, I have to drop what I'm doing to get him into the building. Um, so I think it's just, everyone falls into this and it's just starting to recognize how do you not fall into it? How do you make sure that when things are urgent, you can say this is urgent, but not important, or I do have to do this now, but I need to get back to this thing. Or how do you start to reconcile those things in your brain? Yeah. Yeah. So there, there is a way of looking at that, that we've talked about a lot in terms of time management stuff. So if you're thinking about that, you can kind of put things into a quadrant and on one axis of the quadrant is, is it important or not important? How important is it? Right. And you can kind of scale that. And then on the other axis, you can imagine, is it urgent or not urgent? Is it something that needs attention now? Or is it something that just doesn't need it? It doesn't matter when you do it. It's not as important. So, or not as urgent. See, I just did the same thing. And a lot of times mentally we mix up urgent and important. We think those two things are the same thing. So if you think about those four quadrants, you know, if it's urgent and important, should we do it? Yes. The answer is yes. You should probably do that right away. Like it's urgent and it's important. You should do that. Uh, so like if the building is on fire and you need to exit the building, that's urgent and that's important. You should do that now. It's an extreme example, but it's a real one that can happen. So yeah, don't, don't, it's not the time to finish the text message or the email, right? Do, do the urgent and important things. If you look at your life, it feels like there's a lot of things on that list, but if you really challenge yourself in terms of recognizing the signs, I would say there's not as many things on that list. I'm trying to think of other things that would fall on that list of urgent and important. Can you guys think of some things? I mean, I feel like there, there's like tax deadlines. Those are, that tax deadline is coming up. You got to do it. Don't miss it. That's important. Um bill pay, that stuff is important and you got to do it. And there's a deadline. Um, but I mean, really, I do think it's very, it's a very small amount of things that are like both urgent and important. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of think, let me present this and you guys tell me if you think this is right or wrong, because I haven't really thought of it like this. I was thinking of our, the example of our friend who tried to go to their boss to get some feedback and, and the, the boss was there. I would suggest in that moment, if the boss made time for the employee, that in that moment, that's the most urgent and important thing that that person has in terms of the mindset. Uh, would you all agree with that in terms of a shift in mindset? So, so Diana, if you and I have scheduled a meeting with each other and you and I are talking with each other and we have some, some things to talk about that are important, it's not just checking in and casual or whatever. If it's clearly important, it's also urgent because we're talking right now, like, this is the thing we're focused on. What do you think? I don't know. I think we talk a lot about a lot of stuff that isn't important or urgent for that matter. <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean, I mean the conversation itself, not like the things. Oh, we talk oh, the conversation itself. Yeah. But in the moment, if I'm doing 10 other things, like if I'm looking and saying, well, what else is more important or more urgent than this conversation we're having right now? I think people feel that. And then oh, I think that's for sure. a problem with communication. For sure. Yeah. We yeah. see a lot of executives and I have seen this. This is getting worse, not better. A lot of multitasking. who are multitasking. Yeah. They're it's in a bad. meeting and employees are presenting and they've got their laptop open and they're clearly working on something else, clearly yeah. doing something else, or they've got their phone open and they're clearly doing something different than what's in the room. And I don't know that the executive realizes what kind of an impact that has with everybody else. Everybody else is looking at the executive going, well, clearly you don't think this is important. Uh, you know, or like if he's doing multitasking stuff, maybe I should too. Maybe I don't need to be 
paying the most attention in this meeting. Maybe I can check my emails. Maybe I can send those text messages. Maybe I can pop out and back in, you know, like it is sending a message for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I like, well, I was thinking that idea of trickle down almost right. If leadership does it, then aren't, isn't everyone else going to do it as well? And can we all be effective? And I think uh, I've been reading a book lately and it speaks to this in the term they use in this book. It's older, but it says brink brinkmanship. So, you know, at all times uh, we're to the brink. So there's this just in time mentality, which again, worked until it didn't uh, of how you approach life and how you approach things. And I think that's a piece of it too. I think some of that hidden urgency usually comes from others and what we think is expected of us, certainly, right? Like we want to succeed. So to succeed, I have to do these 13,000 things. Uh, and just from what I've seen from some of the, the like amazing CEOs we get to work with who do good things. But in that moment, I've seen one where they ask their team, hey, focus on this very important meeting we're all about to go into. And the entire time they were off on the side on their phone. Because um, again, I think they also suffer from this. Uh, yeah, I think that idea of importance, significance, urgency. And so my, my thought with that, I try to be is, and this is our principle at People Centric too, be where your feet are. If your feet are there, are you there? So if I'm with my employee looking at them, I should be as there as I can be. And if it's not the right time for that, I should make that clear to them. Let's find a better time where we can both be here. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have a rule that we state that when we're with the client, we're going to be with them, you know, and, and so you're not checking email, you're not checking phones, you're not taking other calls, you're not stepping out for all that stuff. And we just let everybody know how to, it's a, it's not an easy expectation if you don't set that expectation, if that makes sense. Like people do expect, well, I've, if I'm paying you money, then I want access to you whenever I want access to you. But then when we remind everybody that says, that means that somebody else could pull me away out of a meeting with you, you know, maybe the meetings that we're in, what if you thought of that as that's the most important thing you're doing during that time? Um, think about the meetings you have. We've been, I've been in lots of meetings where nobody in the meeting thinks that meeting is important and everybody's multitasking. And what a waste of time. You're getting... 30% of everybody's brain sort of working through a meeting and that meeting, you're just kind of lumbering through it. You've been in those discussions. Like, look, if everybody just, Hey, shut your laptop, shut off your phones. And maybe this two hour meeting could be a 10 minute meeting. Like if everybody just focused on it, like let's, let's give each other some time and give each other attention. Uh, I like that a lot. So then there's also the other quadrants, you know, is that there's the, there's the very important, but not urgent. So that could be like, I think about like the tax thing, like until you have to get rid your taxes ready, but it's not, I don't have to do it right now. Or maybe that's the next meeting you're going to have or the next thing you're going to do in the future. Um, then there's the uh, very urgent, but not important. Like it's urgent, but not important. That could come up like, okay, it's about lunchtime and I need to order lunch because I've got a meeting coming up. It's not, or checking in for a flight. It probably fits into that category. I've got a time frame of which I need to do it. It's better if I do it early, but it's really not that important to do it. And then there's the not important and not urgent. And when we teach that, it's interesting. They call that the, the quadrant of waste. But I always push back on that. I think it's very important for us to do things that are not urgent and not important. I think going for a walk is not urgent and not maybe as important in the moment versus all the things that you travel, you put out in your life. But taking a moment to go out for a walk is very good for you or looking or having a casual conversation or binge watching a show on Netflix for a, a weekend to take some time to load off. Like, yes, is that a waste of time? I don't think in some ways, if you're for, if you're a very goal oriented person, maybe, but it actually does refuel you a little bit too. If it puts puts gas in the tank, that's not a waste of time. Uh, it's it actually is more important than you think it is. Um, so let's let's pivot now and let's talk a little bit about the sources of urgency. What kinds of things hit us 
during the course of a normal day that fool us into thinking things are urgent and, and attract and distract us. There's a million things, right? We, I think the phone is like the, all the notifications. I think anytime a client or a vendor or someone sends an email asking a question, we have this like innate sense of this is important and I do need to get back to you. That clock starts ticking in our heads, right? So there's a million sources of urgency and I think we all have them in different places. Yeah. Yeah. I like what you said about the emails. Cause I've, there's different, there's different philosophies on emails a lot. Yeah. There's, I know people who are like, if I get an email, I better respond to that email in 30 minutes or less. Like it's, it's like, there's a clock running every time you get a new email. Yeah. And then I know other people that look at it and say like, I'm overwhelmed by that. And I will never respond to it. Like yeah. if I don't, if I don't have it, if it's not important, I will never work on it. And the right answer is probably somewhere between the two things. Uh, yeah. yeah. So what can we do to control some of those? That's a good question. Um, I, I also will also say that I think people are also a source of urgency. Like the people that come to your door and are like, hey, can I talk to you for a second? Hey, I have a question about this. Hey, can you answer this? Like they're right there. So it feels very urgent for you. To never, like get that. Are you trying to tell Philip that he bothers you during the course of the day? Not Philip. Not Philip. Is it Matt? It's Matt, right? He's not on this call, but it is Matt. Yeah, it is Matt. <laughs> that was a bad direction. Yeah, it is Matt. It is Matt yeah. a little bit. Yeah, Stephanie, Stephanie, Bethany. Uh, you know, the, I think all of our team, most of our team has very manageable expectations around uh, communication and asking questions of me. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of setting this up because it's kind of fun. You can see it's we're, we're falsely setting this up like we didn't know this was going to happen. So, Diana, who then is a sense of urgency or, or source of urgency in your life at work? Wow, that's a really great question. I'm going to have to say it's Don Harkey. What? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Don and I, being the executives of the company, we don't get a whole lot of time to like sit down and talk to each other. It, we live in different places. We work in different places. Don travels a lot. We don't get a lot of time to like sit down. And so there are days where he'll call, just call me. This happens several times a week where he'll just call me and be like, hey, I'm thinking about this thing. And I have to be like, okay, let me put on my thinking hat. Let me drop what I was doing, whatever it was. And let me just think with you. And let me, let me talk to you. And let me figure out what you think is important. And let's talk through the things that you're seeing. And you know, those things are definitely important, but I don't know that they're urgent, but it is a source of urgency. Yeah. Yeah. So like recently, good examples, like recently I asked you, I was sitting in an airport and traveling again. And I keep talking to people who don't travel nearly as much as I do, but have clearly much, much, much higher airline status than I do. So they're cutting in front of me in first class lines and I'm sick of it. I'm, I'm living like a peasant out there in the airports sitting mm -hmm. in the back of the plane, all the bad things. Like, like, I've never I, sat in the back of the plane. Well, we did when we flew standby last week, just so you know. So we did actually have to sit in the, in the but section. You got a seat. You know what? Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. We did get a seat and we were, we got to prioritize standby. So yes, I, I'm complaining. I, these are first world problems is what you're saying. I hear you. I am. Same. I hear you. But mm -hmm. Diana, we could just get a credit card. And I looked and I was like, man, you can get one of these credit cards. And so I looked at like these four credit cards. I did a bunch of research on it, picked one that I thought would be good. And I had two questions for Diana. 
I said, one is, hey, could you look at these credit cards of this set and double check and see if you think that these are the, this is the, really the best one? And mm-hmm. then I said, and also, how hard would it be for us to start running some stuff through these credit cards, mm-hmm. like so that we can get some status points? Yeah, yeah. And my answer was, what's wrong with any of that? You tell me what's wrong with wanting. Nothing is wrong with that. Nothing's wrong with that. My answer back was I'm going to ignore this because it is not a priority for me right now. I'm doing 37. This is not a priority. Don's first class status is not a priority for me. And so I just didn't do anything with it. But then you did bring it up again, which made me realize this is something that's important to you. I need to look at it. But to me, I also was like, I looked at all these credit cards six months ago. We didn't make a decision back then, dropped it. I have the list still. I should probably go back and compare. I need to figure out what the real need is here. And then to run it all through, I have to link it with all the systems. I have to change all the um, the auto pays and all of that stuff. So like, it's not easy. It's not quick. Um, and so, you know, I just was not going to think about it for a little bit. I was just not going to think about it. I think it's a really good example of why we wanted to bring this up yeah. because it happens in every company across the board. I mean, yep. and maybe it's not about first class status. Maybe it's about a project idea that you have, or For maybe sure. it's about some, a client brought up something or a new service that you want to offer or something like that. And then you can see how the communication bounces around on the team. Is it's like in my mind, I saw the opportunity for a thing and I put it out there and I said, I got two questions. Do, 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 do. Even the communication from the scope of that, like in my mind, I thought I'm just asking Diana. I just wanted you to look at those. I I I propose like I remember the conversation from before. You showed me those credit cards, and I liked the direct we were going. We made some other decisions since then that that made most of those other ones obsolete. But I still was like, if I did this, is that the one? And then the second question is, how hard would it be to implement? And so even as we were prepping for this podcast, because we totally set up this conversation, just so yeah. you all know, we're not really like, this isn't a big discovery. Uh, one of the things that jumped out was Diana and Diana's mind. She's like, oh, I got to go research all these credit cards again, which is a lot, which is not what I was asking. So there's a little bit of a miscommunication there in terms of clarity. Yeah. The second piece of that is then I was saying like, and if it's a lot of work right now and the timing of this is bad, like I'm good with waiting. I just yeah. don't want to, I just, I keep going back to the same topic over and over and over again. And someday I would like to make a decision so I don't keep coming back to it. Cause I think there's an opportunity that's, that we're missing a little bit here, but maybe now is not the time, which Diana, I think is saying now is not the time. Harky. <laughs> I, I am saying I will get to it when I get to it. When I get to it. And then we, we implement these informal systems behind the scenes where Diana's saying like, Oh, Don has to ask twice. For me to, to me to do something, for me to look at it. That's when I know that it's serious because I also call Diana. And so defending Diana a little bit on it, because I also call you and I'm like, what if we changed our colors or our logo? Or what if we, uh, some, most, some of my ideas, and I know listeners, you're used to hearing just nuggets, like gold nugget after gold nugget from everyone in our team. But some of, some of my ideas are not great. Don has a lot of ideas, a lot of ideas. And he likes to talk about the ideas. That's one of his favorite things to do. Not all the ideas are good. And not all of them are implementable. And not all of them are fun to talk about. Right? They're just ideas. Philip, you can jump in and defend me anytime you want to here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I I was thinking two great executives. Wow. What examples for all of us. Uh, In between supervisory person here not getting involved. Uh, no, I was thinking of the stories that kind of come from it because that's you know one of our earliest podcasts 
is on stories. And I think urgency always is married to a really, it feels like a heavy story, which is why we're urgent about it. And I think it's least likely for us to step back. Like we, you both before this podcast started talking about that difference a little bit and, oh, well, that's what I thought you meant. That, you know, that back kind of reviewing the story. Right. And I think, uh, I think that happens to all of us and there's not usually someone to help you realize how urgent you're feeling. I think that's usually kept internal. So you might eventually see it, you know, if someone's hair is messed up for me, my hair is messed up. Uh, I have deer, like deer eyes in the headlights, you know, it's, so there are signs, there are certainly signs. Um, but if you see them, it's too late at that point, there's too much urgency and we've lost the game of Tetris. Um, so I think one of the cues is like how to be really intentional with prioritizing at, while you do it. I think the phrase from the article is ruthless prioritization. I love um, ruthless prioritization. Yeah, I think that's a huge accountability word, but I, I think you have a lot to prioritize both of you. So I'm curious how you decide to be ruthless in your prioritization. If the phone rings and Diana's calling, I answer it <laughs> and vice versa. Keep yeah. that up. That's important. <laughs> That's a great question because you can see the energy and the time that it takes for the stuff that, and you're not doing it. That's the problem when you're not prioritizing it and you have all these urgent things, you're not getting stuff done. You just feel like you are. It's, it's that time when you're, we talked about like signs of when you're, when you're in this state of this, this, this unprioritized urgency of this constant false urgency, you're driving home and you're like, man, you know, maybe you're talking to your spouse and they're calling you and saying, how was your day? And you're like, man, I was super busy all day long. I did. I was working from start to finish. I never took a breath. I didn't. And they're like, wow, what did you accomplish today? And you pause and you're like, uh, and then you start to talk about all these half tasks that you did. Well, I looked for the 500th time. I looked at the four stupid credit cards that I'm looking at and decided, and then I sent it to Diana and she never responded back to me on that. So then I thought like, okay, well, what else do I do? You know? And then Diana's like, what did you do today? Well, I, I, I don't know. Don's bugging me about the credit card thing again. I looked at it for a minute and then I thought, well, we can't do that right now. And maybe we'll forget about it. We're just not, we are, we're wasting energy in that space. So a lot of times when we do strategic planning, we'll have companies that say like, I don't have time to do strategic planning because we're going to come away with a lot of stuff from the strategic plan. And it's a big mistake that people make. And one of the things, points that we try to make is a strategic planning oftentimes does not, is not about doing more. It's actually about doing less. It's actually about focusing. These are the things that we need to do that drive the key thing that we really need for the next year. And the rest of the stuff, we're not going to work on it. We're not going to do anything with it. Like, okay, I know we need, I know it's a good idea to do the credit card thing. I know that's a really good idea. I know we should talk about investments or new products or things like that. But if it's not important this year, if it's not the number one thing, it's like we're we're ruthlessly saying no. Um, but that sometimes has a negative impact on the team, right? So you think we always talk about empowerment. So how do you as a manager or even as a team member, how do you say, okay, that's in, I want to do that someday, but not now. How do you do that without shutting down people or, or shutting or getting yourself frustrated? I'm all about a hopper or and like organization of ideas. I'm all about that. Like there should be a place where all of your ideas live and you look at them and you bring them out like when it's time. Uh, Cause I don't want to lose those ideas. I think they're great. So like we use Trello, it's a free tool. It's super easy to use. And we have a, here's all the things that we could be doing. Here's the active things that we are doing. And we look at those and we 
we prioritize them and say, this is what we're working on now. This is why we've chosen to work on this now. And then we get the team involved. Like, hey, this is what we want to work on. Here's why we want to work on it. Here's why we think you can help us. Let's get it all done together. And it works really slick. And then we can always go back to that hopper and say, oh my goodness, that was such a good idea. We should work on that now. Now is the time for the credit cards. Now is the time for that. Yeah. And I like how you referenced that there can be team hoppers and individual hoppers. I happen to have worked with Diana long enough to know that she has a document that she keeps somewhere called Diana's brain that she flows, stuff flows in and out of that. And she just keeps it. And it's kind of a living document that exists. And I think that's, that's probably your version of a hopper. It is. Um, Yeah. I have a thing I call my lab that no one else has access to that. I just throw stuff into there. And many times in my lab, you go do an experiment and the experiment fails and it's just gone. And you never know that. Sometimes yep. I will go down the road and I know Diana and I can have worked together long enough that she can remember doing that of like, hey, somebody has an idea or we're going down this road. And then she'll say, Don, have you ever done that before? And I'm like the mad scientist who digs deep into the lab and then pulls out loud. Actually, I created this, this, and this for this. And it's the work's 80% done. And I can okay. give that. And I I do that because my mind, I I like I need to play into my chaos a little bit. Like if you're if you're like the chaos and you like working on lots of different things. Sometimes you have to to indulge yourself in that moment rather than constantly fighting your own brain. Just understand how far you should go with that, which is another reason that's a good idea to have a, a hopper or a parking lot so that you can put stuff out there. Um, the parking the lot, yeah. Your br- it's in if it's swimming in your brain, you need a place to put it. Put it with that, why? Well, as you were talking to, I you know the phrase "know your why." That's a very powerful phrase. We really care about that too. Uh, but I was thinking, you know, I think a hopper kind of helps you answer the "know your no." And sometimes no is not yet. Or it's like not right the fit now. But I think sometimes when you talk about the why, it implies that you're doing the thing. Uh, and so I think it's also very important to realize: yes, you have permission, and it's wise to say not yet and to say no, you know, and to kind of hold things too. Uh, and to your point, Don, of slowing things down in our house, this looked really simple lately. We always say we're not, you know, we're not getting a dog right now uh, when people ask us because we're too busy. We're too busy. Uh, and then Claire and I were driving somewhere and I thought, you know, that could be one of the reasons. But I said, if we've said this, our, our, we've been married six years. If we keep saying this, it'll be forever. Maybe we're just too busy. Maybe the question isn't, are we going to get a dog? Are we too busy? for a dog and other things. So we're like, okay, there's these other reasons we're not getting a dog, uh, but it's not just busyness. And we want to address that too. So it's, again, I kind of think this idea of urgency and Diana now pulled up her beautiful dog, Brock, who yes, does inspire me to slow down life to get a get dog. Get a dog, get a dog. Look at how Brock looks. He's like, you don't like puppies? I woke him up from a nap. <laughs> You could tell he was just, I, he is normally not lethargic like that. He <laughs> just woke him up. He just was like, what's happening? <laughs> what's happening? Get a dog, uh, Philip. This is not what this podcast is about, but get a dog. We'll, we'll, we'll look into it. I, we do have a number. Let me tell you it works. I yeah. can give you a number too. It's your number that you gave already. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like what you're saying because you're there's a moments where we all have to take some time to reprioritize our life. Because look, if your life is in chaos right now, you have to take time. And it, it's counterintuitive because you're like, if I don't have time to do anything, then I don't have time to plan. I don't have time to prioritize. And we're saying, well, then you're going to get what you've always gotten. So you have to kind of force it into the moment and then say, I am going to prioritize, but I'm not going to just take the opportunity. Like I'll take the process to brainstorm and here's all the things that I could do. 
but then I'm going to take the moment to prioritize it and put it into places and maybe lock the hopper and say, I'm not working on the hopper. We're not doing that. I'm not going to work on that stuff. If it's not in the hopper, if it didn't make the list, I'm not going to work on it right now. So then you can decide. So you could do that even during the course of your day. So if an employee comes in and you really do have a, you got something that's due in 30 minutes and you can't talk to that person and just say, Hey, just come in and we'll chat. Uh, I think Philip and I have had that conversation. We're talking about a client. Like we actually, we're going to go out to lunch after this to do some deeper dives into some stuff. Cause we've had some things that have come up and I've said, Hey, look, I got a meeting in here. I don't think we're going to cover this in five minutes. Like, can we do this later? Like, so now we're prioritizing things like, like together as a team. Also, if somebody brings up something as, on a team or an idea, but the company's not ready to do it, if you just say, no, we're not going to do that right now, that is kind of crushing. That is a good path towards toxicity for that employee who was engaged, who was excited to bring that idea, who thought about it, who brought the idea. And then you said, for good, probably good reasons, no, we're not going to do that right now. But if you have a hopper that the team can see and you say, I like that idea, let's put it in the hopper so that we can keep prioritizing this and see where this is going to fall in. I don't know we're going to do it right now, but let's put it out there and see if it jumps up. Uh, suddenly the employee's like, I did make an impact. Like the, uh, the idea was heard. Um, another piece that I think that was good from the Harvard Business Review that was an uh, uh, option was they talk about employee strategic procrastination strategic procrastination so what is strategic procrastination i mean i feel like i do this a lot because i i have this thing in my head where everything is kind of important right i see the bigger picture i want to make sure our team is felt i want to make sure our vendors are paid on time like everything to me is important which is a internal flaw i get it but i do do this like strategically procrastinate on things Things that I know are important, but also that I can put off and that I can do very quickly. I'll wait until it's due and then I'll just crank it out and it'll be done. And I don't have to like, I don't have to sit on it really. I know I have the deadline. I'll get it done right before the deadline because I know I can do it really quickly and it's no big deal. So I feel like I'm constantly shifting the priorities in my head based on that sort of those deadlines that are there. Um, and so there are some days where I'm like, I just need 20 minutes to like strategically get this thing off my plate. Cause I have put it off to the very last minute. And now I just need 20 minutes and I'll be done. Um, it, you, you can start to drop things that way. So you have to do it really carefully, but I do feel like I do this a lot. This like wait until it needs to be done to do it. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to have a to-do list somewhere. That's not a daily to-do list, but some kind of a broader to-do list. Yeah, I know, I know I, there's lots of systems that work for different people, but I know I have my email and my goal is to never have more than 50 emails in my inbox. So if it gets more, if it starts to push towards 50, then I'm cleaning those out. And so once I've dealt with the email, I'm archiving it. I'm not deleting it. You can still get at it. You can still search it. Turns out it's very searchable, but I'm archiving. It. And then I have a to-do list of things that are longer term things for me to think about. So if somebody said uh, a good example this week, we talked to a potential new client and they said, Hey, we would like a proposal to work with us. When you get back to the office, the, the tendency is to say, I just talked to you. I'm excited about this. I'm going to write this proposal. But the client said, the potential client said, I'm not going to get to look at that this week. So even if you send it to me this week, I'm not going to get, I'm traveling. I'm not going to look at it. I'll probably look at it next week. Even if you send it this week. So you have to hear those things like Diana said and say, okay, I don't, that's not urgent. Yeah. It's not urgent right now. I'll put it on my list. I'll work on it. I'll take some good notes now. So my brain can go back into the place of what I'm going to put in there. But, and that took me a minute 
And then I could focus to go back to my list and other things and say, now what's important for me to work on? It's kind of the prioritizing and the strategic procrastination work together really well. They do. I feel like I'm also strategically procrastinating these few weeks because Stephanie is on vacation. Bethany is on maternity leave. So I'm kind of like, I don't have time for this stuff, the stuff that I would normally do. I'm putting off so that I can take care of the team so that I can take on more client stuff so that I can do some of that stuff. And I'm like, I know there is a time where I can get back to it. I'm just strategically putting that off right now so that it is not weighing me down. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So there might be just broader times where you're like in this, in this season of wherever we're at, like, I'm going to, I'm going to be really picky about things. So maybe somebody reaches out and says, Hey, I'd like to grab a coffee with you sometime. And you're like, "Mm, could you call, let's call me another two months. Like give me another month or let me get past this season. uh, And then we can, we can start to meet. Um, I like there's another uh, suggestion from the HBR uh, article that talks about vet external requests and buffer your team. Uh, what is that vet external requests and buffer your team? What's that look like? I don't know about you, Philip, but I know that you're like heavily involved in the community. And I don't know how many times you're hit up for like all the stuff that you have, but I feel like I'm constantly being asked to do something or take on a project or volunteer somewhere or that kind of stuff. And as much as I want to say yes, a lot of times I, I vet those requests very heavily. I am smart about if it's, I, I have this phrase, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. Like if I am not super jazzed about it, then I'm going to say no. Um, and I vet those sorts of requests really heavily. I know you probably are in a similar boat. I love your, if it's not a hell yes, then it's a no. I love that. Um, Yeah, no, there's definitely a lot uh, behind all that. I love our community. I love to get out there. Um, I'm thankful for our team's rubric of, you know, kind of our concept of order of priority, team, client, community in that order. So if my team's good, you know, we're working with clients. If our clients are met, then I'll do my community things. Uh, But especially, yeah, the next two months, the holiday season, there's so much to do, so many places to volunteer and to serve. Um, So I think that know your no uh, is is definitely my individual piece. Yeah. And I love, Don, how you mentioned, like, we want to engage our team. You don't just tell them no, you know, but understanding even organizations, you know, in previous roles, I would reach out to businesses to say, we know you care about the community. Uh, Let's get you involved here and here. And a lot of them would say the same. We're involved in so many things. We don't know how to to do this. And so that's a really great idea of yeah, looking at when you're most excited, jumping and doing that. The other part, too, I think the idea of buffering your team. I'm really thankful, you know, when we do this to kind of roll in with each other, too. And, hey, there's this thing and it's taking longer than I thought it would. I need some help. Um, and I, I think that culture of being able to ask for help when it's you know genuinely needed, you've done your best and you can use extra insight. And it's not just you should have done it on your own. It's we know it's really good and better when we all look at it. And that's a buffer help for all of us. That's really useful, too. Yeah, I like that. You need to use other folks if you're the only one that does stuff. And honestly, the people that we see make that mistake a lot are the managers. The ones who actually have the authority to be able to give it to other stuff is you see an opportunity, especially a big one. You think, well, I got to go chase that down. I'm not going to delegate that to somebody else. You know, we've talked about delegation before. And there's a lot of studies that show that if you can't help get let other people help you, it's going it's career limiting. You will not move up as fast in your career because your teams will struggle because it's all dependent on how hard you work. And a lot of us work hard. Many people work hard. Uh, So you're not differentiating yourself. If you can build a team that works hard, that's a very specialized skill that is very, very powerful. 
Um, I also think the buffering too is a little bit of it is it, you're not, we talk about sharing information and being open and communicating and things like that, but sometimes don't share noise. Um, I'm thinking about like we shifted, we made some shifts in our benefits package this year and Diana worked on it a lot before she ever brought it even, I think, to my attention. She did a lot of research on it and worked on that. So then it wasn't even on my radar necessarily. And then she brought it to me and said, okay, now it's on the radar because we need to think I'm to the point of no return. Like we got to discuss whether we're going to do this or not. And I looked at it and said, yeah, this is great. But we didn't really bring it to the whole team right away. They're like, this is going to be good. You're going to probably like this when we put it into place. And then we brought it to the whole team and put it out there. Uh, it, people don't always hear to need to know everybody's to-do list. You don't need to see how the sausage is getting made because that can just sometimes add to the noise. You know, the other piece I'd add to this is we've been talking a lot about the people noise, but we started off talking about the electronic noise, the phone buzzing, the computer dinging. Here's the thing, your computer and your phone work. Yeah, your watch buzzing on your wrist, right? I really struggled with whether I was going to get, a, I put off getting a smartwatch for a long time because I was worried about this. But here's the thing, your watch, your computer, your phone, they work for you, not the other way around you can shut off those notifications. I would encourage you to spend some time. If you want to ruthlessly prioritize something, maybe if you're constantly interrupted by your phone is shut off the notifications. You're not going to miss stuff. And then just set it up where you look at it occasionally and go dig into something. Uh, you don't need to be constantly buzzed. If your computer's buzzing at you and your phone's buzzing at you and your watch is buzzing at you all day, there are a lot of studies that show that that is a very that will lead you into a mindset of urgency and you will become a lot less productive. It actually makes you dumber. Uh, there was one study we saw that actually takes off five to 15 IQ points just every time your phone dings at you because you you get into a flow at work and that takes you out of the flow, whatever the conversation is. So that that opening story of the executive or the, the uh, manager talking to the employee and the manager's phone dings, like the manager is trained to, oh, my phone dinged, I have to look at it. Oh, my phone told me to do something. I'm going to go do it. Two people on your company are in that moment working for your phone, which is working for the airline, which is telling you, please check in for this flight right now, which can wait, right? If you have the if you have that off, you can go back later and say, okay, I've got a trip coming up. Is everything all set up for it? You'll see it. It'll show up. And even when you pull it up, it'll have the, it'll have it all ready for you. It batches it for you. There's lots of tools you can use to, to shut this down. So Hey, we're all living in this world. If we're, we're giving a lot of advice and I think we're all chuckling a little bit because we don't always follow our own advice on everything because we are also people. We're working in a people-centric world. You can't escape all of that stuff. Uh, so we're all trying to do better when we do this. But if you have lost control of your day or your team has lost control in the noise or you're just wondering like, how do I, how do I get more stuff done? The key might not be to do more stuff. It might be to do less stuff as you work on that. Uh, any other thoughts, Diana or Philip, you want to add for our loyal listeners out there? You know, one of the things when we do Pathfinder surveys, which is just leaning into a team, their culture, you know, listening to what how they feel their organization is doing in terms of health and goals. Every time when you ask someone, what does a good day at work look like? Or one of your really good days at work, everyone, every industry, it almost always comes up. I would say at least 90% of the time say, when I leave, uh, knowing that I did good, I served my clients and I got things done. Um, and I think the getting things done part, that's huge. And you do feel like a failure if you're not able to do that. So long-term bad urgency and you know, all over the place prioritization, I think does lead to that burnout and toxicity and misery. And that's something we've all experienced too. So yeah, if you are seeing those signs, then definitely bring that up to your team and be thoughtful about how to strategically prioritize for your own success and your teams. 
I love that. Um, I have a little system that I use for myself. I have a lot of things on the list and the priorities are kind of always shifting, but I have a why column in my list of important things. And so like, I try to remember the why behind the what, because sometimes the why is more important than the what, like sometimes it's just more important to take care of something than the thing feels like, right. The credit card thing, probably more important to Don because he's out there traveling and doing the stuff and, and wanting to get that thing. So while it doesn't seem important to me, it is important to him. So I need to put that as the why, like I'm taking care of my team. It's not about the credit card. Yeah. 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 That's good. I'm glad you came to that conclusion. Cause I was going to tell you, it is about me. Uh, that is what that is about. Yeah. yeah. I like that a lot. I'm going to, I'm going to steal that and start using that and say like, remember why we're doing that in that moment. Like you're listening to that employee, right? That story, like, why am I doing this? I'm doing this because I'm building my culture right now and I'm supporting you. That's why I'm doing this right now. That's why when that employee is in front of you talking to you or, or you're in a meeting, that's the most important thing happening right now. And I know you can all say, no, we really have to, we got to get this new client. We got to add this new service. We got to do all this other stuff. But in that moment, be careful that you don't get into this false urgency thing of like, I can't be here even right now. If you can't even be where you are now, then where are you supposed to be? That's, that's kind of, that's, that's good. I've never said that before. That's kind of goes back to, I like Philip, what you said, like you are where your feet are. That's where you need to be. So where you needed to be in here in the last here 40 minutes or so was with us. And we appreciate you spending the time with us here on this podcast episode of the People Centric Podcast. Keep listening and let us know what you want to hear about more. And we will catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the People Centric Podcast. We are so grateful for you joining us every week. If you like this content, please like and subscribe. Also, feel free to share on your social media with everyone that you know. It really does help us. If you would like to contact us, I have put our information in the show notes. Please reach out anytime. We love hearing from you. We will be back next week with a new topic. Until then, be well and lead well.